Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We're back, baby. It's the Daily Stripe. Pitch free throws because they're free. Fisher to Sopolis. Also, the mightier 1090 ESPN. NFL Draft is today. Super exciting. We'll get into the NFL Draft probably in the second segment because the first segment we have to talk about the NBA. A lot of amazing things have happened. The Knicks move on to the next round. Can I just say that I think as exciting as the NFL Draft is, and it's your, is it still locked in as your favorite sports event, or is that a little more up in the air than it used to be? No. Still locked in? Not locked in. Not locked in. Not locked in. Got it. Would you, could you guess what my, fi- could you guess what my favorite like, sporting event is? The World Series? Uh, no. Good guess. That was fair. Oh, March Madness. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it, maybe some of it has to do and I mentioned this yesterday, with a little bit of the exhaustion of just how much we talked about these quarterback prospects for this this draft class and the lack of true blue chippers, a lot of good players in this draft, good depth, but not a ton of talent at the top. No, not a ton and of I talent think, And I think in conjunction with how exciting and how many different storylines there have been in the NBA playoffs to kick it off, um, I've heard a lot less... NFL draft chatter and maybe feeling a little bit less of the momentum than I typically am, although that's going to change as soon as the clock starts, as soon as we're an hour out from draft. Um, But yeah, let's let's talk NBA because the Knicks are an awesome story. They put together an incredible first-round series. They win in five in Cleveland on 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 the other team's home court handily. No doubt about it. We were on our Amazon Amp show yesterday, and we were talking in the second quarter, and they were up 10, 12, at certain point, 16. And, and they we won felt, by 11. They won by 11, and, and we both had the utmost confidence that they were going to bring this thing home uh, and close it out in five. And I think they're deep. They have some vets that have been there before with guys like Brunson. Um, you know, Randall's played in playoff series. Robinson stepped up. He was the best big on the court in that series. He outplayed Allen. He outplayed Mobley. Mobley and Garland, I give a little bit of a, okay, you guys are young. You still need to get experience. I, I'm more critical of Mitchell in, in just reflection of this series. And Allen, who's also been there with the Nets before. I was going to say, dude, what about Allen? Like, yeah. I, I know a guy who was an all-star last season, right? Yeah, or two seasons ago. He's been in some season. Not this season, but the, the past one, I, th- I think. He was, I think. He's been an all-star, nonetheless. Yes, yeah. an all-star, nonetheless. You know, for me, uh, he, He's a guy, what he averaged. He averaged 10 rebounds a game. He only hit double-digit rebounds twice yeah. in the five games. He, had, he averaged one block per game, which was kind of disappointing, you know, for a guy who, who should be a better rim predictor. I know he kind of shares that, that dividend with, uh, with Evan Mobley. but He's I, the five, though. He's the, he's the rim protector. And look, we've been hearing for God knows how long at this point that Mitchell Robinson is a premier big, and we've been show me, show me, show me, show me. A lot of it, he couldn't stay healthy for a minute too. Show me, yeah. And now he shows you. He stays healthy, and he absolutely dominated. He, the crazy thing is, like 
it would have been fun to see him against Giannis, and I don't want to. I still want to stay with this series, but we're not going to see that. Right, we're going to miss him versus Giannis, which is kind of crazy. And now he has, I don't want to say an easy test by any means against Bam, because Bam certainly is an All Star in his own right. Yeah, but I think a more much more manageable task from a size perspective, Mitchell Robinson on Bam Adebayo, and I was. Unbelievably impressed well, the way he's, he's got about four, four or five inches on him. Yeah, I mean th- this team. And look, quickly didn't shoot that well off the bench, but he got to the line six times, which was nice. Uh, Toppin had a Toppin two of four from threes. You know, really twelve points off the bench is really strong. Right, and Randall went down with Rand- an ankle injury. He Randall down with an ankle injury, but he stepped up. Hart is such a good rebounding guard, and he, he's so ferocious, and he's such a do-it-all player. And I don't know, I'm not going to say it's lasting, but as it stands right now, R.J. Barrett is taking the next step up to be a dependable player. I'm not saying he's a superstar-level player like the guys taking before him, John Moran, Zion Williams. Uh, 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 <laughs> the, uh, but I do think he's ent- he could enter that level of a Tyler Harrow, hey, I'm getting 20 points per game from this guy in the playoffs when it counts. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I, I think we collectively, and I, I know, you know, not to not to toot my own horn a little bit, toot it. But I was a little, I was a little more, I had a little more trepidation about this Cavs team than I think you did during the regular season. I would say, but I think we both of us were not paying attention to what this team was from a roster standpoint because they have two awesome guards in Garland. And Mitchell. Yeah, I think you're going to say what I'm going to say. But, yes. but they don't really have, outside of Karis LeVert, who is a good bench guy, who is a, a potential guy that can that can vie for six man of the year going forward. He's not a starter. They have no one else on their team that can create their own shot. Mobley has to take that step up offensively. It's his second year in the league. You know, he was a he was a candidate for defensive player of the year. Again, I'm not going to be too too critical of him, but. There just weren't enough options on this team. And when Mitchell and Garland aren't hitting at their typical clip, then defenses have to put less pressure on them. The shooters are less open. The bigs are, you know, they're they're more guarded because if the guys are tighter up on Mitchell and Garland, then that opens things up for Mobley, for Allen, for easy shots within 15 feet. And then you look across at the team they're playing, Brunson can create his own shot. Randall can create his own shot for the, two bad games that RJ started with, he can create his own shot. He can he can get to the bucket. Josh Hart is probably the fourth best creator on the Cleveland Cavaliers if he's on that team. And then, and then quickly is is can create his own shot. And this team didn't even have Quentin Grimes, who started at the two guard for the majority of the season for them. And he's coming back, um, likely will play in this first game. It's a great point, so no I, Grimes. I just, it's a deeper team. Thibodeau is a better coach. He's been there more. Bickerstaff is a coach who was under 500 in his career. He was bad when he was at Memphis, didn't have a great roster, but he did not, the team did not execute, they did not win games. So, so you think they need a coaching change? I don't know, I'm just, look, I think, I think a first round loss from a, a coach who doesn't have too, too much experience could be indicative of that lack of experience, but it's more so to point out that I would expect that, that Tibbs would be more prepared, and guess what he was? More prepared, right, Arash Markazi? <laughs> Tis more. I mean, but I think the, the right I, team won this series. 
Yeah, I agree. I think I, I love your point about guys creating their own shot. I would love to see Mobley develop more of Bosch, uh, you know, elbow jumper, something along those lines, yeah. something like where he can pull up. Like a pow, like he's got to go watch pow. He's got to go watch Bosch. I mean, that's the film. If I'm, right. if I'm I mean, not that I'm sure he has, but that's the film I'm really honing in on. Both those me, guys were like pure scores from a big standpoint. Well, look, you're Evan Mobley. You're 21 years old. You're six eleven. You've good length and you can shoot. Right. So it's not like it's not in your repertoire already. So I would be really trying to. Pow had an unbelievable back to the basket game. Bosch yeah. had a great jumper game. I, th these are two guys that I would really be honing in on. Uh, in my summer program, look, you have the defense. You have the defense. The same thing with Jaron Jackson Jr. And he's a bit farther along than Mobley offensively. But you have the defensive side of the ball taken care of, which is amazing. You know, you're an anchor for the defense. Great, love that for you. But you're right. This Cavaliers team scored 100 points in five games once. Pathetic in this modern NBA. They, yeah. they scored under 80 points, like it was like the, the 1970s. But I, again, like I'm not super surprised because if Garland and Mitchell aren't even hitting their season averages. Who who's stepping up? Allen and Mobley in this in game five had a combined ten points. Okay, again, Karis Levert had multiple games where he had over fifteen points, but is Okoro a scorer? No. Is Chetty Osman a scorer? No. Like they just don't have the the guys to to do that, and they need to go. They need to go. Um, you know, upgrade their roster a little bit. They need to hit on their picks, and offense has to be the focus, um, especially at the, in wing depth and. Wing excellence also has to be the focus for this. They game. hit on their picks, though. They typically do. Garland was a good pick, and Mobley was. I mean, I know they, they're in yeah. the top five. I think Okoro is a little bit of a disappointment, considering where he was drafted. Not that he hasn't flashed him upside. He, in the second half of the season, he was a good three-point shooter. But it's not like he's shooting eight threes a game. You no, know? yeah. I, I think ultimately one thing that we're dancing around is they have a wing issue. Like they really Massive. need, yeah. ma they need a major, major wing. Like I, we've, we've talked about OG. I don't know if like budgetarily if that works, but we've talked about OG. Sure. You know, going to Memphis, but the, that's the guy that Cleveland could use in in spades. And let's let's quickly go to that Memphis game because I know we we really want to talk about the latter two yeah. games that occurred. Um, I mean, something again, like we were pretty on the nose with that too. We knew the Grizzlies would come in, take care of business, uh, at least get one more versus the Lakers. They're at home. They are the two seed. Davis was phenomenal. James probably had his worst playoff game I've ever seen him have. I he's had to have had games. I here don't know. And it was there. pretty bad. Yeah, he was pretty bad. Um, that's okay. It's fine. Look, he's getting up there in age. Like he's no spring chicken anymore. You, you're allowed a dud here and there. But they got they had no production off the bench. Really, uh, incredibly weak off the bench outside of Rui, who's been you know really nice for them. But Schroeder, nothing gave that gave them really nothing in 19 minutes with zero points. It's, it's kind of paltry. Uh, yeah, but you're you're coming home. Yeah, you're to coming LA, home. game six. Well, now you got to take care of business. Um, yeah. and you can't have Reeves and and Russell go eight of 24. Sure, I thought Reeves did other things as he normally does. Um, 17, eight, and six. Get, look, if you can get to the line, I'm a fan, especially as a guy like Austin Reeves. Yeah, you get to the line on five, the road too, where you normally don't get as friendly of whistles. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, but the, I, in me, the, the big story for, for this game is the Grizzlies having Ja, Bain, and Jaron all contribute at the level that they need to for them to win games against this Laker team. Yeah. I mean, look, you, you know, the and there's guys like the Grizzlies bench. They hit five threes. Or f sorry, four threes, you know, but they shot the three ball pretty well. Uh, Kennard, you know, contributed 
Aldama contributed decently. Uh, Tyus Jones, a guy who you've been on all season, contributed nicely. Yeah, I think but it's like, uh, it's oh. unfortunate that Kennard went out with an injury because they're plus 39 with him on the floor this series, and they're, they're minus plus. 21 with Dylan Brooks on the court. He's done, I think, Dylan. I think the chickens have come to I don't – it is unfortunate that he's out with an injury. I mean, the Dylan Brooks – I'm looking just looking at the stat line. The Dylan Brooks situation is is abysmal. How – he 3 of 15? Why does it? Why is his light that green? Is he stepping out of the game plan? Because you're right. I mean, you you I, I kind of like passed the buck on it, but Bain was unbelievable. Morant Bain was unbelievable. Yeah, they both almost had thirty point triple doubles. The two of them, they both had thirty plus points. He and both had ten rebounds. Yeah, and both had five plus assists. And yeah, wow. They they really put it. They really had a good game on the glass. I mean, look, Davis had nineteen boards though in his own right. So. Well, yeah, I, I mean they move the ball pretty well, and the turnover battle they they shakily won. I, to me, I, I think that this Grizzlies team just you know again shot the three ball they, a lot better than the Lakers did, who went under thirty percent. Well, you, you shoot better on the home than you do on the road. That's how it goes. I thought Bain was really phenomenal, and he's proved a lot this series. I think if you're talking about guys that have proved the most, like what's your starting five? In the first round. So give me a, a, a point, two guards, two forwards, and a center. Prove the most. I'll prove the most team. Um, well, I think probably I might go like a little small. I might put Brunson at the one. That's what I would. Okay. And then I would put Book at the two. Still, he, he's like proved even more to you. Than he proved to me that he can become the best player on his team on any given night to win them a game. All right. And I think that's massive. There's not a reliance on Kevin Durant, even though he is there and it makes him that much more dangerous because if the two of them are clicking, yeah, it's, it's going to be impossible to guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the favorites in this, this series. Yeah. Not by a lot. It's like, it's like minus 145 in comparison to like minus 110 for the Nuggets. They so have, They have the two best shooters and scorers the game oh in the series you mean yeah, yeah. Maybe, although maybe in the game maybe not maybe in the game because booker i don't think booker's as good as steph yeah wait that, that's the larger conversation but, but yeah and then i'd have jimmy at the three okay yeah um was he a hall of famer going into this playoffs we always say it nba hall of fame pretty easy to get into our hall of fame not as easy I don't know if he was. He is now. That was a Hall of Fame performance. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always interesting to, like, play the game of in 25 years, like, how will we talk about any given guy? Um, I think the conversation around so – th so that's my one, two, and three. I think the four – I honestly might put, like, as good as Desmond Bain was in this game, um, the most consistent player for the Grizzlies in this series has been Jaron Jackson Jr., I would maybe put him at the four. And then the five, Mitchell? Yeah, that, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with putting Mitchell Robinson there. That one's a little bit more of like he's really played excellent and he's exceeded expectations. I'll give a shout because they've been out. They've like been dormant for a little bit. Yeah. Trey Young's been great, but I don't think yes. he's been as impressive as Brunson. I don't either. Or, and I think I like your book pick. And I was a six-man. I give a shout to uh, Maxie. 
because the Sixers have not been playing for a, a number of days, but yeah. they made quick work of the Nets, and he was a major right. part of that. De'Aaron Fox also uh, in, the, yeah, in the guard yeah, yeah, mix, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I just don't think they're going to win that series. No. Oh, honestly, honestly, at my five, maybe instead of Mitchell Robinson, what? Draymond. Draymond. He's incredible. Yeah. I. He's the best. He's the best defensive player in the league. I had a. I had someone text me that if the Hawks brought in Draymond Green, they'd be the best team in the East next year, as it stands right now with their roster. Maybe he would. He would help a lot there. I do think for me, their their question behind that team still kind of rides on like, what is DeAndre Hunter? What is he? What is their? What, who are their wings? Can you play Young, Murray, and Bogdanovich at the same time? If you have Draymond Green, maybe you can. Because then you have Capella who can really protect the rim and Draymond can kind of be the defensive connector and anchor and communicator yeah. to make everything else go. I just, Hunter is a really, really key piece to them. Hopefully your Celtics just get it done and we kind of close the door on them tonight and they we'll get to see, move on. Dude. We'll see. But let's, let's talk about what's the most important game from last night. And the, you, you mentioned Jimmy Butler. You're talking about him being a Hall of Famer and locking that in. A lot of the chatter this morning has not been about Jimmy Butler. It's actually been about Giannis's Giannis press conference. Press conference, which awesome, awesome answer. I do think that great answer. I don't think that, I don't think it was the question was that out of line. Not at all. A lot of people are giving heat to the reporter. Look, you got an excellent answer Who's out of it. Reporter. I don't know who it was. Was it is? No, I don't think it was. No. Um, his name is Eric, though. Is that why you said? Yeah, that? that's why I thought. Yeah, I'm being yeah. serious. It could be. We, we, should, we should know this, but we don't. But a lot of people are giving him flack. It's like, if you got an excellent answer out of it, then it was a good question. Also, I always appreciate when reporters ask multiple questions at the same time or bring up, like, connective thread questions to the same player. He asked the same question last year. He asked it this year. And then you get that relationship between the player and the reporter where Giannis acknowledges that. They even talked about, like, he gave, like, a personal example to him. I do think... And I've seen a lot of people say the same type of commentary. It's okay to look at it as a failure. He said, no, it is not a failure. But I think that we have to take some of the weight out of the word failure. Because I think a lot of times, like, when people think of the word, when we're growing up and we say, like, oh, that guy's a failure. It's like, long term, never going to get anything done in his life. He will never amount to anything. It's such a generalization, too, right. a lot of the time. Where I think if you, you can, you can just break out the scope of it and turn it into just this season. Yeah, it was a failure, but it doesn't mean that you can't learn from it like Giannis is saying and grow from it and get better and take that into next season. And it doesn't mean that you're going to win every single year. Like Michael Jordan at the end of those three championships was as miserable as he ever was. I'm saying I do. He brought up Michael Jordan in the press conference though. He's like, was every other year a failure? Right. And I, I'm not, I don't, I'm not, I don't know MJ personally, obviously, but I'm not, and I don't want to put words in his mouth. But judging off of everything we've seen of him, I would say he would say yes in your ver definition of a failure. If the Celtics lose tonight and then we lose at home in seven games after being up three one, I'm not. I'm not. You know, it's not dooming them. It doesn't no, doom them. I'm not condemning them. anybody. Yeah. I'm just saying that's a failure. Right. I agree. And it's okay. Like as long as Giannis, he handled it well. I, and I, I, I think his mindset is the right. I think it's. Guys, first language isn't even English. We forget that all the time, Crazy. right? I also think if you look at guys like Jordan and Kobe, the way that they knew 
at least in like the second half of their career, how to talk to the press and give the press less, he's not at that same level. And I don't know if he ever will be because he's such an emotional guy. Not to say that those two guys weren't, but the way that Kobe communicated to the press was as tactical as his and surgical as he was on the court. Never gave an inch to the press. I mean, like, what's his most famous post-game presser? It's the Job's not job done, done job yep. not done. You know, like, I, I, um, but I, I appreciate, I think it's a good lesson, obviously, for people to get out of it, but ultimately the, the most important part about this series was Jimmy Butler and his performance and him bringing the rest of those guys up. Now, I do want to say, and we were texting our buddy Brandon about it, I think this is the most embarrassing loss by uh, a number one seed in the playoffs, at least in our lifetime. This is the biggest upset I've ever seen in the NBA. Yeah, I know. I know. Per the sports books, it wasn't. I actually think. I think it was like minus fourteen hundred that the Bucks were going to win. I think like when the Mavs lost to the Warriors, it was like minus eighteen twenty-five or something like that. But this is a team that's already won. They have what we deemed as the best player on the planet, who missed two games, but they won one without him. They won one without him. They also. This is a guy who's won multiple MVPs. They have two other perennial all-stars on the team. A guy who... Lopez is an all-star. And another guy who has also had multiple all-stars. And his best season. His best, his best season. Two guys with their best seasons ever. Yeah, we, we think that Drew had his best season. I Drew would, very well could be all-NBA this season, and I would not be surprised. He deserves to be all-NBA. I know Middleton's coming back from an injury. He had a good game last night. He played really, really well. He had a lot of clutch shots, got to the line in important moments. I just don't really... This was the best team in the NBA. They had the best record. They had a top five defense and a top seven offense. The Miami Heat, one, were losing a 20 points. They did not have a 20 points per game score in Tyler Hero out after the first game, which the Heat won. They also had a negative point differential on the season. This team was averaging less points per game than they were allowing to other teams. I don't get it. That's crazy. And, it just... and, and I think there's extra impact because this is the first time um, that a playing team has, has done this upset as well. This is the second time they very I've easily seen... could not have been in the playoffs. The second time I've seen the eight seed win, right? That and the Warriors. I don't think I've seen the eight seed win and take down the one unless it was NBA Live or 2K. Yeah, no, no way. But especially in the modern NBA when like you, ha- you can't take the it's, – it's thought to be improbable. Right. I mean, I know I'm being a little bit of a – probably a little bit of a Mavs defender here, but that Mavs team had not won. Dirk was the only multiple-time All-Star on that team. It was before we had gotten Jason Kidd, before we had gotten Sean Marion. We had Jason Terry. We had Josh Howard. Those guys aren't multiple-time All-Stars. We, uh, Jerry Stackhouse was, but at that point in the career, he was a little bit different. It wasn't Stack from the Pistons. That Warriors team was actually really good. They had Steven, They had five players who scored over 15 points per game. Yeah, no, I, this is worse than that. This team lost in the first playing. It's not even like they were a playing team that won. They lost the first playing game at To home. the Hawks, yeah. Who are... The thing is about the East and the NBA, it's, it shows how much parity and how good guys are really at basketball. There's no, there's no more, okay, we have this guy, it's an auto win. These teams are so deep and anybody can really go off if you have the capability of going off in a given night. And I do think 
Like the Atlanta Hawks are, I've been saying this, are not a bad team. They're just a disappointing team. Right. Probably with the Miami Heat too. I, yes, agreed on the Hawks. There is, I think there is no reason why the Knicks should not win this series. They have to win this series. I gave you one reason. Jimmy Butler. Dr. Jimmy James Bu- Butler of Buckets. I just... You can't tread lightly on him, bro. I'm not. I'm not treading lightly on him. You're I'm, treading I'm, a little lightly. I'm not. It is inexcusable that this Bucks team lost. Inexcusable. He went scorch earth god mode. Some of the best, most Incredible. Efficient. And I honestly, you know me. I'm not a massive Knicks fan. I kind of want the Heat to win. I want to see Jimmy Butler take them down. I but, don't. But I think as a, as a, like, if I were a Knicks fan, I think it's the same situation. It is inexcusable if they lose to this team. They are too deep. They have too much firepower. They are too good defensively, too. They have an identity. There's no, like, Randall had a terrible series last year, last series. You gotta, you gotta come at them, you gotta take it to them, and you have to take Jimmy Butler out of the game as much as you can. Yeah. I, yeah and I, guess what? Bud didn't do that. Taking Jimmy Butler out of the game does not mean giving, giving him a wide-open lob opportunity where it's, he's one-on-one with a guy who he's bigger than. Yeah, he's going to bully that guy, and he's going to put it into the basket. The Knicks could go to the finals. I think, they'll, I think they have a really tough time with y'all. I don't think they match up with the Cs. I don't think – I'm not locking – I'm not feeling good. No, I know, I know. But if we y'all beat the Hawks out, tonight, dude. then you're playing the 76 We're in Atlanta. If we, we, could go, we might be going to seven, and Embiid is not fully healthy. And if he's not fully healthy, he's going to have a tough time with Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. I mean, we could see Hawks-Knicks. Objectively, like, not as a Celtics fan. If I wasn't a Celtics fan, like, if I was a fan of, like, let's say, like, the Lakers. Well, the, I wanted to see the, the recreation Hawks. of that kind of Trey Young-New York rivalry would be really, 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 really fun. Really fun. I uh, think there's no way the Hawks make the Eastern Conference Finals. No way. Anything could happen. But, yes, I'm with you. I hope so. Uh, All right. Let's go to the NFL draft. Yep. Maybe a little baseball. We'll see how we dance in the second segment or the second venture, the second set, as some would say, in in the music world. Um, Tennis world. That, too. That, too. So, the NFL draft, what we're hearing lately, Kuiper's final mock, McShay's final mock. Here's what I'm thinking. This is my gut check of what's going to happen. I know we did our mock draft with Joe yesterday. His big day is today. Very yeah. exciting for him with, with Nick. Um, based on everything I'm hearing, I think Bryce Young is going to go first. I think there's a lot of smoke. At, now there's different. I think the Texans won't take a quarterback at two. If they do, it'll be Stroud. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't. I th- apparently, they're out on Richardson and out on Levis. It's over. From who? From a couple sources that I've I've been reading since like six thirty this morning in bed. Okay, I don't I, think I think Levis is going to go before Stroud. I think I don't because I don't think the Texans are going to go quarterback at number two. I think they're going to go with Will Anderson Jr. like we said yesterday. Okay, I think they're going to go with the edge. I, I hope think, I hope they do. I think Tennessee jumps to three to three. Right, and that's they take, the, the and big they, and they like Stroud and they take Stroud and then the Colts take Levis. And then Richardson is just like the Seahawks can go with him, the Lions can go with him, the anybody can really go with Richardson. Heck, the Falcons could even go with Richardson if they really want to. But it seems like it seems like some of the crazy chatter right now is with Bijan to Hotland. You think he's going to go higher? You think he could end up at top? Uh, Bijan to yeah to Atlanta. I mean. 
look what the look what the shout outs their families have done in the past year. The Falcons have gone Kyle Pitts in an alarmingly high pick at four. They've gone Drake London. They're gonna go be all right. We have the we he believes he has the buffer apparently with Desmond Ritter to like all right if he pans out the season great if he sucks whatever. But when has Arthur Smith been at his best? When he's had he an elite runner. And it's also just who's like, the most elite runner we've seen or most hyped runner we've seen come out of college other than Saquon Barkley? Probably him. Yeah, him. If you had to make a Mount Rushmore of guys over the last decade, him, Zeke, Saquon, Peterson. Saquon. And who? Well, Peterson's more than 10 years, but yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. But like I'm saying, and then you uh, Len- your, Lenny. Yeah, Lenny or CMC, pick your poison. Probably Lenny because he went ahead of him. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, be the, he's in that realm of those guys, all I would say very successful NFL running backs. Maybe not worth the top five pick, but sure. very successful as a, from a running back standpoint. I don't think the Falcons should do it. I really think that they will. I think they made that move for Okuda. I think they've made some moves on defense. I mean, it, it, worth noting that they do have Cordero Patterson on their roster still. Yeah, but I don't think I think we all think that he's not an every down back, and he's best serviced as a secondary. They have Algier on their roster, who was fine last year. I mean, I don't think they need to do this. I'm just simply saying, quite frankly, I would if there's a guy like Tyree Wilson still available at edge, which he could be. Sure. I don't because I think the I think the 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 lines will take Weatherspoon. The more I think about it, the more I. We talking about the Seahawks and you talk about the Lions because to me those two teams are. And and then the Eagles at ten. Most interesting teams, because they're so much closer to competing, than they are competing. Lions almost made the playoffs last year. The Seahawks did. The yes, Eagles, but they were nine and eight. What? Lions missed. I said the Lions almost oh, made the sorry, playoffs sorry, sorry. last My year. Bad. Seahawks made the, the Seahawks made the playoffs, and the Eagles made the Super Bowl. It's an anomaly. You never see, you know, three playoff teams really in so the top ten. The Seahawks. I think it makes a lot of sense for them to go get a guy, a young young QB to to work under Geno for a couple years, maybe just one, honestly, and then they can move off of him. They can move off of Geno. I'm saying. The Lions, I I know when we were doing our, our you know first round QB draft, I said he's between mid and good. You you kind of pushed me to push him to good. He's good. I like him. He's been to a Super Bowl. I know you like him. I do think that he he is limiting though, in a way. In the same way that Jimmy G is limiting, in the same way that even to a certain extent, maybe like Dak Prescott is limiting to the Cowboys. Like and Richardson might not be, because what he can do with his legs. Uh, he, no, Richardson might be. And I, the only reason why I say that is you're not, with this Lions roster, the current iteration of them, with the way that Dan Campbell coaches that football team, I don't think they're going to have another crack unless they had to move a lot of assets to move up for a guy. And at that point, next season, they might be picking at 24, 22. And do you want to do that? Do you want to give up then like two more first round picks, two thirds and a fit? Like I'm just no. saying you might, th- this might be your only shot to go get a quote unquote good quarterback prospect, even if they are a project and have them sit behind Goff. Now I, there's also the entire, they have two first round picks though. And that's their next pick is at 18. So they can still get a guy that's supposed to be a starter 
right on the defensive side, or they can just go get two starters, and I'm cool with that too. Well, I don't think just, I don't think that's a mistake. I'm just saying, looking down the road for this team five years into the future, okay, maybe then we entertain taking a guy like Anthony Richardson. Yeah, but I do think that again they were nine and eight. They keep improving. They. Jamal Williams is great, but Montgomery, by and large, is a better running back. They bring him in with Swift. They have a really good duo. I know Jameson Williams is missing another six games, which is super unfortunate, but they have a number one receiver in Amon Ross St. Brown. But we can't be worried about their offense at all. They were the best offense in the NFL last season. Well, I think they could be in a position at the, the second pick to take one of the tight ends if they're there. Mayer, Kincaid. And I think that'd be a I mean, to replace I think you Hawkinson. Can, I think you can wait until the second round to get a good tight end still. Musgrave, Laporta. Deep, sure. deep tight end class. Yeah. Don't need to force it, in yeah. my opinion. So that's fine. And I, you could go defense there. I think you go defense both picks. If you're the if you're the Lions, you could be sitting there at six. What if Tyree Wilson or Jalen Carter are there? Got to make that happen if you if one of them are there. In yeah. my opinion, great, both good picks for them. And then you're sitting there at eighteen. What if Joey Porter Jr. is there? Which he probably will be. He could be. He's there. You could have Deontay Banks could be there. The corner. He's. I, I think he's actually Joey Porter is one of the bets I was looking at. He's plus money to be picked under 19. So 19 or earlier. Interesting. So the expectation there is that he's going to go over. Go in the 20s, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting. I think you'll see guys like your Lucas Van Ness, a guy you had mocked earlier in our draft yesterday. To the Eagles. Yeah. He'll go in the top half. I think Nolan Smith, a guy that we've spoken to, Georgia guy, out a lot, at almost all the year, but prior to that was considered to be a top 15 pick. Which I way think, does he go? You think he goes? I think he's still top 15 pick. I think he tests. I wow. think he, I think his speed, his, his you know versatility you know, in the front seven, I, I think he could be a good fit for the Patriots. Okay. I think he's just a guy, another rotational guy that, okay, Bill doesn't have to use Dietrich Wise. He can replace Dietrich Wise and run Uche, run Judon, and run Nolan Smith hmm. uh, in some kind of cycle. I, I think that's a guy that Bill wouldn't pass up. He's too, he's too athletic, and he's too, and he's too talented when he's on the field. So I think, that's, I, I think he could go there. I think he's you know, an interesting pick for... Like the Texans could just keep building the defense. There's no shame in going Nolan Smith and Will Anderson Jr. There's no shame in the Eagles taking Nolan Smith or Lucas Van Ness. Like I think the Bears could even take him. I think we've all everyone's been so dead set on the Bears taking a tackle. Like, first of all, there's a world in which the Bears trade back again. So let's say like everything I'm saying goes right, right? So let's say Levis to the Colts, then you have Stroud with the Titans, the Cardinals move back to eleven. If you're the Chicago Bears, and it goes Carter to the Seahawks, Tyree Wilson to the Lions, and then the Raiders are there. They take one of the corners, whoever they like more, whether Spoon Gonzalez, I'd probably lean. They might trade back too. Sure. They, they probably should. Probably should. I agree with you. What's, but let's say like you're sitting there at nine, you're the Bears, and Richardson's still on the board. All of a sudden, the commanders don't have to jump from 16 to three. They can right. jump from 16 to nine. You know, the, the the Vikings don't have to jump from twenty three to three, and he that fits their mold of project more. You could trade Dalvin Cook. I know they got Deontay Foreman, but you could trade Dalvin Cook and your first round pick, and maybe like a second or a fourth next year. All of that whole package to move up to nine, if, and then the Bears can move back to twenty three. And the Bears have Dalvin Cook. I mean, I don't know if the Vikings and the Bears make a deal with interdivision rivals. I'm just, you know, pontificating on some potential teams that can go up and get them. Or, or 
If you're the Lions, another interdivision team. But if you see Richardson falling and the Bears are looking to move out, you can move out. Yes. Again, you have like the Bears, like the Lions can move up again. The Seahawks can move back up again. Yeah. I do think that for a guy like him, you can't make that trade with an interdivision rival. I'm just saying. I, I wouldn't. Sure. Right. The Seahawks can leave this draft with Jalen Carter and Anthony Richardson. It's completely plausible. Yeah. And quite frankly, if he starts to slip, if I'm Pete Carroll in the front office of Seattle, it's a dream come true. And I'm sacrificing what I am today for what I one day will become and trading that 20th pick and, and, and going up and getting him. If the Texans pick Wilson second and you're the Seahawks, would you trade up to the Cardinals to get Will Anderson? Yeah. You would? Um, no, nah, because I'm, I'm cool with getting Jalen Carter. If I'm them. I think that's fine. I think either way, you're good. I don't think you need to do that. I think, yeah. I think the Cardinals are in a tough spot because you take Will Anderson, the best player. You take what you need with the offensive tackle and Paris Johnson. Which no, they I, trade back. I, I think they should, but it's still like trade back and get. You do need a you need a dance partner, and I think this dance partner is going to be Tennessee. It Probably. should be Tennessee. I, I would trade back to them and, okay, if Campbell's, then just go get Skaronsky. Johnson, I mean. Sorry, if Johnson's not Johnson, there, then just, Skaronsky, then just go get Skaronsky. Whoever, right. Whoever's there, there's just four tackles that are not going to – I think the tackles is an underrated position this year. I think there's gonna, you're going to have four starting offensive tackles in the NFL with these four guys. Yeah. I think the Eagles are probably going to trade back. I wouldn't be surprised. They're like, if, they're, if you're the Eagles and you go, okay. Like, Whoever their guy is that they've keyed in on, which I think it's probably Carter. If he's not there, I think I think if he's there at eight, they maybe move up and go get him. Or seven. Yeah. But if, if you're he's the not, Raiders and the Eagles, you're talking about the Raiders moving back. The Eagles, imagine Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis. People forget they have Jordan Davis still. Right. So Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis re-teaming up in the NFL. I mean, anything else they're doing, if they keep that 10th pick, they're just adding in like an awesome backup basically to whoever one of their guys wants to leave the next time the next offseason yeah like they could take one of the corners and be fine or one of the tackles one of the tackles and be fine they could there's a lot they, i mean to me with that their 30th pick it can be really interesting you could take you could take one of the big 10 centers right yeah what do you think how many running backs do you think are going to go in the first round do you I think, think gibbs is going to come yeah i think two i think there's to the top i think the Bengals are serious about him yeah I think the Bills are serious about him. I think the Giants are serious about him. About Gibbs? Yeah. I feel like you have to take a receiver, don't you? I actually like liked what Joe said what yesterday. Joe was saying just he's a weapon, he's not a running back. Bijan and Gibbs are offensive players. Just like Eckler is. They are offensive players. We've seen Bijan be a beast between tackles. We've seen Gibbs be a beast between tackles. But we know both those guys can do in the receiving game. Yeah. And to me, if you're the Giants and you're in your game, your system relies heavily on running the football and moving the football and getting in and out of games, which was the kind of guy Danny Dimes is, which is the kind of guy, which is the kind of team they were last year. They ran it really well. But he, it's also the kind of guy that Danny Dimes had to be because of who his personnel was on the outside. I just don't know. You added Darren Waller, so great security blanket for him. I think there's other guys to like to me like I think 
I don't. If the Giants took Gibbs at twenty five, I wouldn't hate that. I think he's an unbelievable talent. He was sick against us, like, dude. He was in the receiving game. He was good against us. Do you think? So, do you like them taking him more than taking Johnston? Yeah, Johnston. Yeah, more than Flowers. No, but I don't think. But that was another thing. Like I wanted to bring up Flowers is going to go early. I, I think he's going to go a lot earlier than people think. I think like in the late teens, he can. Maybe like I got to see where Smith and Jigba goes. Like, if he goes ahead of Smith and Jigba, I'm not going to be shocked. There's a rumor that if he's there at 11, Tennessee's going to take him. They love him, and if Tennessee doesn't move up to get Stroud, Smith and Jigba, the Jets can move up to get. I mean, Smith and Jigba and Garrett were like another pairing of like former teammates. The Packers, I mean, just desserts right there. If the Packers draft a wide receiver in the first round yeah. after never giving one to Aaron Rodgers, I think that could happen. Yeah. I think it's viable. Yeah, sure. They have a good roster. Packers? Yeah. Dude, yes. They failure last year. <laughs> Going back to it, like they flopped last year. They should yep. have. They flopped two years. They flopped. They have flopped, 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 flip flopped around the NFL over the last decade. They probably should have made it at least one Super Bowl and they just can't get over the hump. Now you've got a new starter. Got to give him some weapons. I kind of liked him in the, in the minimal things. I, I mean, the Kansas City game was tough, but the, outside of that, like the. The minimal times I saw him in there, and I, and they in my mind they have he was pretty I, bad two years ago. Sure, but it was two years ago. I think they have a they have I don't know if he's a wide receiver one, but he could be a wide receiver one B in Watson. Christian Watson's good. Yeah, taking care of the drops, huge home run threat, touchdown. He was a touchdown machine towards the end of the season. They could take a Dalton Kincaid. They could take like a security blanket for or Michael Mayer, like Green Bay. I'm I think. pretty out on anyone taking a tight end before twenty. Why? Because it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. It just... Yeah. It doesn't work. I'm with it. And again, only because of the depth of the position in this draft, why? You know? Like, why, why would you do that? I mean, the best tight ends in the league are Waller, late-round pick. Kelsey. Kelsey, late-round pick, third. Kittle, fifth-round pick. Gronk was a second-round pick. Hernandez, all right, whatever you want to say about him, but he was great when he played. And this is just my Patriots, fourth-round pick. Goddard, not a first-round pick. Ertz, not a first-round pick. Schultz. Not a first-round pick. Muth. Not a first-round pick. Was he not? No. Early two? Second-round pick. Good Komet. pick. Komet, not a first-round pick. The only one that's good that's a first-round pick. Like, no offense, like, kind of flopped a little bit. Right. Could be good, but Hawkinson is probably the best first-round pick of the guys. And Pitts, we'll see. So far, Meads. So far, bad pick. Yeah. Because of injury. All right, well, let's get to it. All right, have a good NFL draft. Enjoy the NBA playoffs. Go Celtics. Hit your free throws. Have fun, Joe. Yeah. Hey, Ollie. Good. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.